By accessing this podcast, the user and or audience acknowledges that while Serenade highly respects the speaker and or speakers and has high regard for their knowledge and integrity, Serenade makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information and or opinions featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. Welcome to Serenade Snacks, your favorite podcast where we discuss trending immigration topics, events, experiences, and other legal news. Join us every week for the latest in the immigration world to discuss the status with the brightest minds in the industry. Now, here are your hosts, Shake and Ray. Hello, everyone. Today, we welcome Shannon Shepard of Immigration Attorneys, LLP. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Shannon practices at at Immigration Attorneys, LLP, Chicago office and handles all types of immigration matters. Shannon has extensive experience with a broad range of immigration issues, including deportation and removal proceedings, employment-based petitions for immigrant visas and non-immigrant E2, L1 and H1B applicants, family-based immigration petitions and naturalization, and derivative citizenship claims. Shannon has also argued numerous immigration cases before the U.S. Courts of Appeals for the 7th, 8th, and the 11th circuits. And she has experience in appellate practice at the State Board of Immigration Appeals and federal level. Shannon is a frequent speaker at continuing legal education programs for the ISBA and AILA. She also has published several articles in the ISBA's International and Immigration Law Section newsletter, The Globe, and has been featured on local TV and radio outlets. This is the first episode of Serenade Podcast. How does it feel to be the first star speaker? It's great. Thank you guys so much for thinking of me. I'm really um, honored to be your your first speaker. Thank you so much. Um, uh, but I want to ask you this first question. Um, as you know, uh, we are all faced with the coronavirus pandemic. How do you manage social distancing at the office? Um, we've been lucky um, in that we have a lot of remote capabilities. So actually, our team has been staggering days of coming into the office, you know, when you have to get that filing sent out to USCIS. But otherwise, people are, are able to work remotely from home. And um, so far, it's, it's worked great. Of course, when we're in the office, you know, we're taking all the precautions, wearing masks, uh, sanitizing everything. So um, I feel like my team has really stepped up and, and really made the most of this crazy time. Gotcha. Yeah, same here. We're, we've been wor- working remotely. Uh, even this podcast, we're doing remotely. So uh, hopefully uh, things get better. Uh, although I do like it working remotely, I, I will say. <laughs> working <Yeah>. from home. <laughs> it, does, it does have its perks, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, the reason we invited you to our podcast is to discuss a couple things. First, the USCIS has increased the fees uh, to many applications. Some of them rose from a couple hundreds to thousand plus dollars. And secondly, there was an injunction of inadmissibility to the public charge rule explicitly affecting the I-944 form. Let's first jump into the increase in fees. According to the USCIS website, the fee increases were necessary due to the agency being underfunded by about $1 billion per year. Could you please share your thoughts on these increases? Well, the increases are, are definitely gonna be hard on on a lot of individuals, a lot of companies, uh, employers. So it was it was disappointing to see them 
come out with the increases. Um, I think there's been some controversy as to whether, um, you know, the fee increase was was just due to the pandemic. That's what USCIS was claiming, or whether, it, you know, it was also due to some new policies um, that they've implemented that have just increased their costs, their adjudications costs, their administrative costs. Um, so it's it's frustrating for sure. Uh, okay, and, and, and from an industry and business standpoint, um, how do you think these increases will affect U.S. immigration law's bottom line? I mean, the law well, firms, the law firms' bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it will definitely impact us because uh, some of these fee increases are going to um, discourage potential clients from from filing in the first place. I mean, if you take the N four hundred, the application for naturalization, for example, that fee almost doubled. So somebody who you know may have been otherwise ready to file is um, you know potentially going to wait, and that's definitely going to affect the bottom line for a lot of firms. Right, which brings us to our next question: Do you think this will indeed impact uh, negatively uh, the usual number of applications for different petitions? I do. Um, I, I think. It, particularly in the family-based context. Um, but there are other factors that are, uh, you know, decreasing it in the employment-based context as well. Um, not just the fees, but the, you know, the current pandemic, the policies about employment-based visas. So it's definitely going to, to shrink the number of applications. And looking at the bigger picture, uh, from a national interest perspective, do you think that the fee increases will result in America's ability to attract talent and other skilled workers compared to other countries such as Canada, Australia, or New Zealand? Yes, I, I definitely do. Um, and it really, it starts with students. It starts before the employment-based visa process because the U.S. used to be one of the most desirable places to come for higher education, but we've already seen foreign student applications or student visa applications dropping dramatically. So then there's fewer graduates, fewer people in the talent pool, you know, for the employers to then petition for. Um, so it's it's a domino effect. Um, on the employer side, we've already seen companies. Um, set up offices in other countries such as Canada or Australia um, because they have more immigrant friendly policies and the US companies you know want to be able to access the global talent pool which it's currently very difficult to do here mm -hmm. yeah um, and uh, so for the you know as you know that the last fee increase was in 2016 uh, which doesn't seem you know that long ago um, but thinking long-term do you see more of this in the future and if so are they going to be significant or incremental uh, increases in your opinion um, well the last fee increase to be fair was the first one in a long time the 2016 increase um, so that you know while of course it, it caused hardship for a lot of people it wasn't quite as surprising we were surprised by this fee increase particularly since just a few years ago, USCIS was operating with a budget surplus. Um, so, you know, for, for it to suddenly change gears and say, no, we're underfunded and we have to raise fees was, was surprising. Um, I, 
it's hard to say. I think if if they if the agency keeps up with you know some of the policies I mentioned that are uh, you know increasing their administrative costs, requiring interviews for employment-based cases, and um, you know eliminating the policy where they used to give deference to renewal petitions if someone had the same uh, same material circumstances with their employment, you know that they would pretty much automatically renew it um, and they're not doing that anymore, which which costs them money, um, of course, to have to employ more people to review the petitions. So I think that um, it's it's definitely got a chance of continuing to go up every couple of years if, if those policies keep up. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, now, changing gears a bit. Uh, the Southern District of New York placed an injunction of inadmissibility to the public charge rule affecting the I-944 form. By the way, the I-944 form was one of the forms we added this year to our e-immigration software. Uh, first, could you provide some background on the I-944 form? What was the purpose of that form? Yes, yeah, so previously, um, particularly in family-based cases, USCIS would look at the petitioner's income to determine whether an intending immigrant was likely to become what they call a public charge, someone who relies on government benefits. So the person sponsoring them would have to provide uh, evidence of their income and, and sign what was called an affidavit of support, um, saying that you know they would assist the person if, if they ever came to, uh, fell upon hard times and needed to use public benefits. That's still the case, but now, um, USCIS wants to change the analysis to focus more on the beneficiary, on the intending immigrant. So the I-944 asks for evidence that you know the person has been employed, that they have a certain education level, that they speak English, um, and it asks for extensive proof of their income, their assets, their liabilities, debts. Um, it even asks for copies of their credit scores if, if they're applying from what's in the U.S. and have a credit score. So it's, it's really shifted the analysis of whether someone will become a public charge to put the burden on the immigrant instead of on their sponsor. Interesting. Now, this ruling uh, from the Southern District of New York uh, essentially says that it is no longer needed to submit this I-944 form, correct? Well, there was a slight change to it last week. Um, initially, the injunction was nationwide. And then um, that was, I'm not sure, I believe it was appealed. And when reviewed, it was then limited to three states, uh, Vermont, New York, and I believe Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, but it, the USCIS, though, has still not updated um, their website. Their website does still say, you know, that there's an injunction and they're not, you know, they're not going to use the I-944 right now. Uh, in fact, I just checked this morning and the I-944 doesn't even appear on their forms on their mm. website right now. So I think they are reviewing, you know, whether they want to keep pushing it um, despite the pending litigation or not. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, the injunction also affected some of the other forms that reference the I-944. Uh, what is your recommendation for attorneys when, with these specific questions? 
Um, yeah, it's tough right now because it, it seems to change every day. Um, you know, like I was saying, first the, the injunction was nationwide, then it wasn't, but USCIS, you know, is still posting the old guidance. Um, what our approach has been is, you know, if it's a case where we have all that information and we've completed the I-944 um, and we don't think that there's going to be any adverse impact on our clients, I'm recommending just filing it because the guidance that is on the USCIS, although it's old um, right now or outdated, says that um, they won't reject a form for not including it. So for example, if you file today and the court rules tomorrow that they're allowed to require it and USCIS decides they're going to require it, you might your application might be rejected for not including it. So it's a mm. tough call. Um, but like I said, I, we do have cases where you know clients are hesitant to provide all of that sensitive financial information. So in those cases, you know, as long as we're disclosing to the client, hey, there's a chance they could either ask for it down the road or they might reject it um, outright. So as long as the client understands that, you know, we're we're willing to try it without it. Gotcha, gotcha. And as far as the injunction, do you see it as a positive thing or a negative thing that this this occurred? Um, I think it's positive um, from from the immigration lawyer perspective, the I-94, or sorry, I-944 just dramatically increased the amount of work that we have to do. The form is quite long. It asks for a lot of, you know, supporting documentation about the person's financial history. Um, so we then had to pass that cost on to our clients um, to account for the extra time that we're spending. Um, and it is, you know, I have some privacy concerns about all of this, you know, the client's sensitive data. I mean, the nature of immigration does often require a lot of sensitive information to be disclosed to the government. But, you know, this to me, it, it seemed like it went a little far. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you so much for those clarifications. Uh, I just wanted to remind everyone that we are hosting uh, Shannon Shepard from Immigrant, Immigra Immigration Attorneys LLP. And I wanted to ask you this for the uh, immigration clients out there listening to this very podcast and, and, and looking for some help, for some legal help. Uh, how could they get in touch with you? Um, well, they can definitely visit our website, which is www.immattylp.com. Um, or they are also welcome to, to call the office to set up a consultation. The number here is area code 312-661-9100. So we're definitely happy to take calls um, if, if people are in need of legal assistance. Okay, okay, great, great. And I, uh, final and most important questions. Uh, since the show is called Serenade Snacks, what is your favorite snack? <laughs> well, because of the pandemic and working from home, I have been trying to eat more healthy snacks, um, you know, like fruit or almonds. But if I'm honest, it's Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's a good choice. I mean, it's, it's always the, the go-to at the parties. <laughs> the, the classic Absolutely. 
classic Doritos. With, Can't with, go wrong. With a dip or without a dip? Um, usually just without a dip for me. Just plain nacho cheese. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, any final words? Um, well, just thank you again for having me on the first um, podcast for Serenade. Um, it's been it's been enjoyable, and hopefully you guys can do a lot more. Um, I think it's a, a great program. Um, and again, if, if any listeners out there need legal help, they can feel free to contact me and my firm, and hopefully we can help. <laughs> well, Shannon, it was a pleasure having you on our podcast. We thank you for attending and hope to have you soon again. Thank you. Anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, for our listeners, be sure to subscribe to Serenade Snacks to hear more episodes like this. And if you would like more info on different Serenade products, be sure to visit our website at www.serenade.com. That's Serenade with the C, serenade.com. <laughs> You've been listening to the Serenade Snacks Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow Serenade on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at serenade.com. That's C-E-R-E-N-A-D-E.com. Until next time, snack on.